Welcome to the Anchor Church Podcast. To learn more about Anchor Church, go to www.anchorchurch.life. At Anchor Church, we like to say, we have this hope. During this series, we learn about the past, present, and future of Anchor Church and everything that we stand for. continuing the series, We Have This Hope. And uh, it's something that we've been saying since day one here at Anchor Church. Uh, It actually comes from Hebrews 6, 19. It says, we have this hope, which is an anchor for the soul. And a couple weeks ago, we practiced it. So I'd like to practice it again. I don't know if you guys know that verse. You're going to learn a verse today for this series of this month, all right? So here we go. Hebrews 6, 19 we have this hope, which is an anchor for the soul. You can repeat it after me. Ready? Hebrews 6, 19. Yeah, sometimes that's tough. All right, here we go. <laughs> Hebrews 6, 19. We have this hope. You got some energy now like that. Okay, here, don't say that though. Okay. We have this hope, which is an anchor for the soul. There we go. Okay, cool. So that's, that's really where, where this whole thing comes from. Here's a little side story. Uh, when, when I felt that the Lord had called me to plant a church, to start a church, I had no idea what name it was going to be. And uh, for a while, I kind of just, you know, answered the call and said, okay, God, I'm going to plant a church sometime, somewhere, somehow. I'm gonna, it's going to happen. And uh, I really didn't know anything other than that, other than that, the fact that I just said yes, I, 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 I surrendered to do it, but I didn't know the time frame. And actually, two years went by, and, uh, and still, I knew that that was the, the call, but I didn't know when. And I really kind of broke down in the middle of a, of a worship service somewhere. I was actually at a church planning conference, and, uh, and I said, God, I, I, if I had a name for a church, this would be a whole lot easier. I could actually grasp it. I could, you know, it's the vision aspect of it, right? If I could picture what this is going to be, what the, the name of the church is going to be, it would be a whole lot more clear, a whole lot more clear. <laughs> That's not right, right? Yeah, anyway, um, and, and I knew that it would just help with this process and to be able to take that next step to go forward. So it was kind of just, Lord, just help me name this church. And I'm telling you within... 30 seconds in a prayer where I just said, God, help me name this church, Anchor Church popped into my mind. I thought, that's cool. That's awesome. Danielle was worshiping right next to me. I said, hey, Anchor Church. She's like, stop. I'm singing. And, um, and then later we talked about it. And I had, you know, this is how, this is how I work. I, I, I had Anchor Church in my mind. I'm, I'm like, I know the anchor's mentioned in the Bible somewhere. I've, I've read it. And so I went in and I researched a little bit about Anchor in the Bible, and Hebrews 6.19 pops up, obviously, and it says, we have this hope, which is an anchor for the soul. And, uh, and immediately I thought, that's it, because um, I've prayed, and uh, you've prayed with me before for my brother-in-law, Wesley, who is a pastor in Winter Garden. He's the pastor of Hope Church, and uh, my father-in-law has a missions organization named World Hope. And World Hope has helped plant and start churches in Africa, one named Hope Church, one in Detroit named the Hope Church, one in Nicaragua as the Hope Church. And so I was having a little bit of family pressure to name this one Hope Church, right? And, uh, and I thought, you know what, that's not really me, though. 
And, uh, but I didn't have a clear answer what it would be. And then when I opened up Hebrews 6, 6.19, it says, we have this hope, which is an anchor for the soul. I got goosebumps, and I got goosebumps just now saying that. And I thought, we're having a hope church, but it's just a little bit different. And my, my in-laws would say that. They would say, we have a son-in-law. He's just a little bit different. <laughs> so, so it works out. So, but anyway, that's, that's a little bit of the story of how we became Anchor Church, and, uh, and that's why Hebrews 6.19 is such a big thing for us, and that's why we say we have this hope a lot. You'll see it a lot. It's the number one thing that you'll see when you first go to our website, and, uh, and so that's why we're doing this series to talk a little bit more about who we are as a church and what we stand for and, and just um, really what the life of the church is. I want to tell you this today, uh, that uh, if you follow along with me, and I say this a lot, but if you go to anchorchurch.online, it's a separate website from our main website. It's what we call our online hub. It's where you can follow along on a Sunday morning with us. And you can go there, and today in particular... We have sermon notes on there that are literally my sermon notes. I, I, I wrote them on my iPad this week, and I'm sitting there looking at them and studying them last night, and I thought, how cool would it be for me to actually just share my sermon notes with you guys? So if you were to go there now, which you totally can, uh, you would be able to see exactly what I'm looking at here. I usually try to not do notes, but I have notes today, and I thought, you know what? We're gonna have fun with this today so you guys can, can follow along with me and just see maybe at least even what the process, the thought process is uh, with me. So, um, and it, it, at the very least, we'll have more people on the hub today than ever before. So that's kind of a little bit of a byproduct of that, right? So we'll have fun with it. Uh, the scripture that we use is there every single week. There's other things that you can do there as well, but if you go to the notes section, you'll be able to see the notes and some even follow-up questions and things uh, for thoughts for the, the week for you. But um, I want to start with our, with our anchor. Uh, when we designed our logo for, logo for Anchor Church, I wanted it to be very specific where somebody would say, hey, what's your church all about? You would be able to say, well, my church, Anchor Church, is this, that we're not perfect. It's got blemishes within the, the logo, and uh, we're not perfect. We're not a perfect church. We're not perfect people. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God, and for that reason, we need a savior, we need somebody to pay that sin penalty. We need somebody to pay the debt for our sins, for our inequities, for our imperfections. And Jesus did that, and he did that on a cross. And so there's a cross right in the middle of our anchor. Which, by the way, in my, me researching anchor and anchor church, I saw and I discovered that the anchor before the cross was the symbol of hope to the early church. Like, how cool is that? That Like, when, when people saw an anchor it meant hope. It, it meant more to them than a cross, a symbol of a cross would, because the cross, if, if you remember, was a symbol of death. It was the death penalty. So be, before this became the Christian symbol of the cross, the anchor was actually the original Christian symbol, and it would, it would, it would uh, be the, the symbolic um, idea of what hope really is. And so you'll see the cross there in the middle. And today, if you can see it up there at the top, it says, we hype the hope. And the reason why it says that is because that opening up there is supposed to symbolize the open or the empty tomb. Because on, the, on resurrection day, the stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty. And because the tomb was empty, because the resurrection happened, we have hope. And at Anchor Church, we want to hype the hope. Every single Sunday, we want to be a celebration because the tomb is empty. 
So we try to do fun things from time to time. We have a great band that does an awesome job up here and, and, it's, and it should be fun. It's a celebration. It should not be a funeral. Jesus is not still hanging on the cross. He is actually out of the tomb and there's a tomb on the other side of the world that is even still empty to this day. And for that reason, we celebrate and for that reason, we hype the hope of a risen savior every single day and it should be a celebration. The empty tomb symbolizes the resurrection and Jesus' resurrection is the guarantee of our resurrection as well. That if we are in Christ, we have this hope that we have a resurrection as well. We have a new life. 2 Corinthians 4.14 says this, that he who is raised, the Lord Jesus will raise us too. It's a promise to us that we will be able to experience a new life in Christ if we commit to giving ourselves to Jesus and allowing him to be our personal Lord and Savior. And the resurrection is the source of hope for all who believe. And we see that in the story of Lazarus. We see the story of, of Lazarus is dead and he is actually in a tomb or he's um, set aside for four days. He's been dead for a long time. They were actually calling on Jesus saying, Jesus, please come and help Lazarus. He's going to die. He's, he's sick. And Jesus was taking his time. He just did not show up when everybody thought he was going to show up. Can I get an amen? That happens to us sometimes too, right? So Jesus didn't show up when everybody wanted him to, when everybody was expecting him to. He showed up four days late in everybody else's mind, but Jesus showed up right on the time because when he goes to the place where Lazarus is dead, he calls out and he says, Lazarus, wake up, come out. And in just that moment, what was dead became alive. And we see the first resurrection and really it should be Symbolic, or it should be foreshadowing what was going to happen with Jesus as well because we see the same story and the same thought when it was the promise here that Jesus makes after that story. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. He said this right after the story of Lazarus, right after that whole thing happened. He says that to the people that are around. So it should be this idea, we should have this knowing, this foreknowledge of, 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 of what Jesus says. He says that I am the resurrection. I am the life. And the one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. What's that mean? It means that beyond this earth, there is a place for us known as eternity. And we have one or two places that we're gonna go. And Jesus says that if you believe in me, even if you die here on earth, you will live in eternity. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die, will have eternal life in heaven with him. So I wanna ask you today, when have you experienced hope? When have you experienced hope when you didn't necessarily know that it was coming or uh, didn't know how to take something or a situation and all of a sudden you found hope? Because that can really bring a lot of life to your life. I'm about to get real serious here, and if you're following along in the notes, you know that I'm lying. But I see some of you guys in here today that are wearing your Steelers stuff. The whole Martos family is wearing their Steelers stuff, and, and a couple Packers out there. Actually, there's some hidden Packers out there as well. I know that you're out there. But I'm going to tell you what. The Broncos won the most recent Super Bowl among the two of you, all right? I'm just saying. Just saying. I'm a big Denver Bronco fan, and 10 years ago, I was at Smoky Bones, 
with my, my newlywed wife, and she was tolerating me and my friend <laughs> at Waterford Lakes at the Smoky Bones down there. I don't know if they're still in business. Hopefully they are. Probably. I don't know. I don't know anything about that place. That was the only time I feel like we were there to watch a game, but I would watch the game there. I was, um, I, I was into it. I needed to be there for every single game. And so we're watching the game and they're playing the Raiders. And I think that it's, it's the timing of this is perfect because it's Raiders week. In a couple hours, the Broncos will take on the Raiders and hopefully they'll come out victorious. But on this Sunday, they were playing the Raiders 10 years ago and, um, and it was a really close game. And back then the head coach was Mike Shanahan and it got to the point where they had to kick a long field goal, somewhere around 45 to 50 yards, somewhere around there. It's a decent field goal. And right as the kicker is, is standing back to, to, to receive the ball, he looks up and usually they do a little head nod to let, let the guy that's going to be the placeholder know that they're ready so that they can go and flick to the guy that he's ready to receive the ball. That's very loose football terms, just so you guys know. And right as he gave the head nod like, hey, I'm ready, the head coach of the Denver Broncos calls a timeout. Well, nobody else knew it except for the referee. He blew the whistle, but it's so loud there they can't hear. And the kicker goes through the whole motion and he kicks the football and he kicks the game-winning field goal. And I'm devastated because my whole world revolves around the Denver Broncos, right, at this time in my life, okay? And, uh, and so I, I said, all right, let's get out of here. And so my, myself and, and Danil we, and, and my friend Matt, we leave Smoky Bones and we're heading out to the parking lot. You know, we settle up our bill and everything. We took care of that, I promise. And, um, and we're out in the parking lot and there's a guy like chasing me down. So I'm going through this, this process where like, I, you know, it's all the levels of just denial and all those things, right? But like, I'm mostly just sad and, and angry um, that this happened. We're not supposed to lose to the Raiders. But there's a guy that comes out and says, hey, were you in there just watching the Bronco game? I said, yeah, you know, like we lost. You get to rub it in. Like, you know, it's one of those moments where people reach out to you in a parking lot. Like that's, you know, sometimes that's not a good situation. And, um, and he says, hey, the, the coach called a timeout. That field goal was no good. Like the game's still going on. And I'm like, what? What? And in that moment, I experienced hope. <laughs> so I ran back inside. I think Danil was still with me. And we stand there and I'm watching the screen as, as, as they're lining up to kick the second field goal because they called timeout right before. I tried to show this to you on YouTube. It doesn't exist. Apparently YouTube didn't exist in 2008. It did, but it should be on there. And the guy lines up and obviously he was so shook from the last time and he, he's wide left, wide right, doesn't matter. He missed the field goal. And the Broncos won the game. So I went from this, this moment of just absolute no hope sadness, um, fear of, of, of my team falling in, into the, the depths of, of, of obliv- uh, whatever, not making the playoffs, to, to seeing joy and knowing that my team is still in the game and to experiencing the hope of the opportunity to still win the game and maybe make the playoffs, which they didn't do that that year. But anyway, you see this pattern of sadness, fear, joy, and then eventually hope. It's, it's really kind of this, this pattern that we see on the road to hope, and we see it in our lives as well. And I wanna point Matthew chapter 28, verse one through 10 for you, and this, this will feel very much like a Easter service because it's all about the resurrection. But in all reality, we should be talking about the resurrection every single Sunday because every single Sunday and every day for that matter, the tomb is empty. 
So we have hope. We have hope because the tomb is empty. And so in Matthew chapter 28, we see this pattern of sadness, fear, joy, and hope. And we see it in our lives as we go through obstacles in our life where we experience hardships, where we experience things that we didn't predict when we are watching a football game. Uh, There are different ways that we experience life and the different ways in the roadmap to hope. And I wanna point this out to you today. We see in verse one of of Matthew chapter 28, it says, after the Sabbath, which is Saturday, Jesus died on a Friday. Saturday is the day that nothing was happening. And then on Sunday, He was resurrected. So after the Sabbath, this was early on Sunday morning, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, just the other Mary, um, went to go view the tomb. Now, when you read through some of the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll notice that there are other people that are mentioned that will go to the tomb to go see um, Jesus's body. Uh, They're going there, and it's all ladies. They're going there simply to put some oils on the dead body, to put some herbs and different things as an, a way to honor, as a way to um, remember him, and as a way to uh, just clean things up a little bit, if, if you get me, all right? Um, so they're going there in a way, in a grieving way. They are, they are full of sadness, which you won't find on this morning are any of the 11 disciples. We forget Judas, but any of the other 11 disciples walking up to go see Jesus early on this morning, because again, Jesus was predicting his resurrection and told everybody that it was going to happen. And even these ladies were not going there expecting to see anything other than a dead Jesus that they could put oils and herbs on to freshen the decaying body. So they went to go view the tomb and they were full of sadness. This was a somber moment. And I can associate sadness in our own lives to a lot of different things and where we've, we feel like we've, all, we've lost hope. We don't have anything. And I think that kind of guilt can go along there with it. And, and maybe these ladies had guilt as well because they felt maybe that they were responsible. The disciples maybe felt that way and that's why they weren't there. But I think in our patterns of life, when we go through different things, and maybe it's a sad moment, maybe we're convicted that we shouldn't have done something that we did and we're guilty, but we all go through this this motion uh, of, of feeling something on our way to experiencing hope. If you remember last week, we talked about how we're not perfect, or the previous week, we talked about how we're not perfect. And so we could go from this moment of, of truth and understanding that, that, that we are sinners and that we have to pay this sin debt and, and that the, the weight of the world can be on our shoulders because there's no way that we can be able to pay that sin debt. We can't, we, there's, not, there's nothing we can do to be able to, to accomplish heaven or eternal life. It's only what Jesus did for us on the cross. And we talked about that last week. And the beauty of, of the resurrection and the hope is the grace that is found so that when we are walking through a moment of sadness or walking through a moment of guilt, there's something right around the corner. And so these ladies in, in chapter two, I mean, in chapter 28, verse two, it says, suddenly there was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended on from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. He, his appearance was like lightning And his robe was as white as snow. It's this idea of purity that here's this angel that was here uh, in this amazing moment. And notice here that he is the one that rolled back the stone. 
right? I think sometimes we picture that Jesus is the one that miraculously rolls away the stone and he just walks out and he says, hey, everybody, I'm back, you know? But he comes back and nobody actually sees the resurrection. We don't have accounts of Jesus actually walking out and rolling the stone away himself. So maybe he rolled it away and then rolled it back or maybe he just walked through because that's what Jesus can do. He can walk into a room without opening the door. We've seen it as well in scripture. So note, note that, that here's the, the angel. He, he plops himself down, he rolls the stone. He's sitting there just hanging out and his appearance was like lightning. Again, it's this idea of, purity and his robe was as white as snow and the guards were shaken from fear of, of him that they became like dead men they were almost like comatose they were just in shock that they could not take in what was happening and so these ladies are sitting here and they're watching what is happening and notice that the angel here addresses the women he said and the angel told the woman the women don't be afraid because i know that you're looking for jesus who was crucified he says, don't be afraid. But in this moment, they were terrified. And that's what happens to us as well. We go through this time where we, we, we suffer something. We go through this moment of sadness. There's somebody that we know that gets sick, that, that maybe they're not gonna be able to get out of it. Or, or maybe we've committed something that we just know that we should not have done. And all of a sudden, this weight of guilt is on our shoulders. And we start to fear. We start to think, what's gonna happen to them? What's gonna happen to me? All of a sudden, we start to, we just get struck with fear. Sometimes it, it, it puts us into a little bit of a coma too where we don't know what we're going to do next. And so we don't do anything. But the angel addresses the women and they say to them, don't be afraid because I know that you're looking for Jesus who is crucified. Notice that he doesn't say it to the Roman soldiers because the Roman soldiers don't care about Jesus and what was happening to him. The women do. The women were there to see him. He addresses them and calms them and and, and allows them to not be afraid and not to be filled with fear to the point of shocking them. And the same thing can be said for us too, that if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, if we pursue Jesus, it's not gonna be an ultimate shock to know that he is here to provide comfort, that he's here to help us through our guilt and help us through our sadness and get us away from our fear. I mentioned the 11 disciples that did not show up at the resurrection there was only one that was there at the crucifixion, and it was John. John was a humble, humble brag. He's the only one that will say that he, he, he is known as uh, the one who Jesus loved the most, but you'll only read that in the book of John. It's just <laughs> funny humor to me. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what that's about, but... But he was the one at the cross. He was the only one. And that's what happens. The closer and closer you get to Jesus, the more and more people are not gonna be around you. And you got to realize that it's a personal relationship. It's a personal pursuit. So of the 11, none of them were there on the resurrection Sunday. These women came and they were pursuing Jesus and they wanted to be there to, to anoint him and give him these oils and the herbs to, to, to preserve the body as long as they possibly could. And the angel says to them in verse six, he's not here, he's been resurrected. Many other versions will say he is not here, he is risen. Just as he said, which in this moment for me would be like, ooh, yeah, he did say that, didn't he? Yeah, I forgot, yeah, you remember that he said that? Yeah, it's the third day and he's not here, so that kind of makes sense. So they're realizing this at this moment. 
And so the angel welcomes him and says, come and see the place where he lay. And other accounts of this story in the, in the Gospels will say that, that the angel actually went from the stone and was miraculously inside the tomb and showing them where Jesus was laying. So come and see the place where he lay. Then in verse seven, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has been raised from the dead. So they were charged with this order. So they've walked through sadness and they've, they've been struck with fear. But now all of a sudden they know for a fact because they saw it with their eyes that Jesus was not there. The cloths and everything that he was buried with were still there, but Jesus was not there and they saw the stone be rolled away. So they know that he's alive. And they remembered hearing the things that he said was actually coming into, into play now because it's just as he said, he's not going to be there. He's been raised from the dead. In fact, he's gonna go ahead of you to Galilee and you will see him there. Listen, as I've told you. So these ladies go from sadness to fear and now they're starting to experience joy because they go running off. They go running off to go tell the disciples they're supposed to go and find them and let them know about the good news, which is why we call it the good news. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus came down from heaven, God in the form of man, to live among us, to, to live the life that we live, but to live it blameless, spotless, white as snow, without fail. So that when we look to him, we know that he's gone through the, some of the same things that we went through, but he addressed it all differently and we can look to him to see how he addressed some of these things in this life. So he's God in the form of man. He came and was put on a cross. He was put on a cross, not for the things that he did, but for the things that we did and would eventually do even now. And he suffered and was buried. And on the third day, he was resurrected. He came back to life. He defeated death. He defeated sin. And now we have joy. We have hope. But these ladies here in verse eight, as you see here, it says, so departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell the disciples about the news. So they're experiencing this joy and they're running and they're making this thing happen. You can imagine for me in the parking lot of Smoky Bones, Say, what? The game's not over? Running back inside. I've got the joy of the Broncos on me. Not the joy of the Lord, but the joy of the Broncos. But it's that same pattern, that same experience. That's what these ladies were going through at this moment. In verse nine, just then Jesus met them and said, good morning. <laughs> the word that's used here in the original language is just a very, very common just greeting. I'm not gonna teach it to you today because I didn't write it down. It's not in my notes, so it's not here for you, all right? It's, it's gone. But it's known as a very just common greeting, just a, oh, hey, hi. And we see it here in, in this translation, good morning. Like, nonchalant, just here I am. And they came up and they took his feet and they worshiped him. Notice that they fall down to his feet and they worship and they fall down to his feet and they take his feet. They grab a hold of him. They know that this is the real Jesus. This is him. It doesn't say here that there were holes in his feet, but we know later on that when Doubting Thomas 
needed to know that it was Jesus, he said, poke your hand through my hole, in my hand, poke your finger through the hole in my hand. So we know that when they throw themselves down to the feet of Jesus, they're experiencing the resurrected Christ right there and before them. And it's real, they're grasping onto him. They're throwing himself down and they're experiencing the joy. In verse nine and 10, it says this. And Jesus told them, verse 10, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there too. They will see me there. So they get to experience this, that hope is alive. The ladies threw themselves down at his feet. They can actually put in their hands the risen Savior. They experience the resurrected Christ and they know that hope is alive. And that we have this hope. We can understand that we are made new. We are whole, we are complete. We are made into a beautiful creation because of what Jesus did for us. And we have this hope. There's something that we say here at Anchor Church a lot as well, and that is that the best is yet to come. And we believe that the best is yet to come that because when we have a relationship with Jesus, that we know that there is something far greater than the earthly world that we're going to experience, that we're gonna experience an eternal life that is in heaven so that no matter what we go through here on earth, no matter what we go through here on earth, we're gonna get something even better once we are resurrected with our Savior in eternity. And that's why we believe that the best is yet to come. In our relationship with Jesus here on this earth, we believe that we have everything that we can have and be able to grow and gain in that. But then even here on earth, there is so much something, so much greater things. Hope is alive. I have this story that I want to share with you and I, 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 I thought that it would be a good one to share and we'll find out, but who knows, all right? I thought about this this week. And I read something about a mosaic and how it's just a bunch of broken pieces put together. I thought that's a beautiful story that we can create something so beautiful from so many little broken things. And when I was in college, I used to go visit my grandparents. They lived up on the shores of Lake Erie, uh, just outside of Cleveland, Ohio. I used to love going to the beach up there and I would always pick up these rocks that were colorful. I later learned down when I was older that it was just tumbled glass, broken glass that had gone into the, to the lake that wound up on the shore. And it was beautiful, just little pieces of, 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 of you know, not polished, but just, I don't know if you've seen uh, sea glass before, but it's just, a, it's a beautiful, it looks like a beautiful rock. And so I started collecting it. And there were times where I'd have a, a big collection of it. And one summer I went with my mom <clears throat> And, uh, and we went up there and, and I, we spent a long time going and picking up all this broken glass that had been just tumbled into something beautiful. I was thinking that, 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 that all this glass ended up in the lake because somebody threw it in there and it was broken. And in our lives, we can be broken. We can go through different, diff- different and difficult things. And we may feel like we're broken. And as life approaches us, we get tumbled and tossed around in the sea or tossed around in the waves and life can come at us from all different directions. But what's happening in that moment is that we're getting polished. We're getting made into something that's maybe a little bit more beautiful, maybe something that's a little bit more experienced, something that can handle the waves a little bit more in the future. So we're tumbling around at the mercy of the waves. And then eventually, somebody picks it up like I did when I went out there with my mom that time I went and picked up all the glass that I could find and every time I picked one up I'd think oh man look at this one it's so beautiful it's awesome 
so what was broken can be made into something that is even more beautiful. And the same thing happens in our lives. When we go through a moment of sadness and brokenness and maybe guilt and fear of being tossed around by this world, we can experience joy of being picked up. And even beyond that, I took a whole bag of this sea glass home and I know what to do with it. And I was just playing around with it one day and I thought, you know what, I I can glue these to a piece of glass. My mom loves stained glass. She was a stained glass artist at one point. And so I, I started to glue all these little pieces of glass with no rhyme or reason. I just started gluing them onto a piece of glass and I put it into a frame. And then I ended up mudding it a little bit, much like you'd, you know, mud tile and then wiped all the, the, the glass clean. And it turned into this mosaic, it became this new creation, it became whole again. And here's a picture of it. I asked my mom this week, I said, hey, can you take a picture? Because she's, I brought this to her one time when I was in college and said, hey, um, look what I made with that sea glass. She's like, oh, that's so amazing. Is this for me? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can have it. But it's awesome because every time I go up there, it's sitting in one of their windows. I said, hey, can you take a picture of that for me today? Send it to me because I want to talk about that at church. And what you see here is a broken, a bunch of broken little pieces of glass that have new life. They've gone through the moment of, 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 of if it really has feelings, I don't know, not really, right? But sadness, the joy of being picked up, in the hope of a new life and a new creation for everybody to see. And I don't know if I need to draw any more similarities in how this applies to our life that can be more obvious, but the same thing happens to us. Because he rose, we know that the word of God is true, that we have the hope, his promise of his resurrection. We know that he's God in human flesh. Because he rose, we know salvation is complete. He defeated death and he defeated sin. We know that we have eternal life and forgiveness. And because of the resurrection, we know that we have this hope of our own resurrected life, that we can be made new, that we can have uh, this completion, that our sins are forgiven. And I want to invite you today to experience the resurrection. If you believe it, you know. But it's like the foundation of our faith. Without the resurrection, there is no hope. Jesus is still hanging on the cross, dead, in a tomb. He becomes like every other false god in the world. But faith in the resurrection means all those things that I mentioned. And it's so important for us to be able to see that and experience the resurrection, experience the hope, so that when we say that we have this hope, realize that we're talking about the the empty tomb. And we're going to celebrate that every Sunday. We're going to hype the hope of our risen Savior. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.